Well, good morning, church. I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. And before we dive in, I just got to get a little bit of housekeeping business out of the way. Sometimes we got to do this. And, and I love the, the motivation behind doing this. Everybody's finally getting back from vacation. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's so good to have you back. But the last uh, couple of Sundays, I don't know if you've noticed if you've been here, but it's been taking a while to get out of the parking lot. Maybe you're finding it's a little, it's taking a little while to get into the parking lot. So I'm going to ask a favor. First of all, as you're coming into the parking lot, as you're coming in, do me a favor, especially parents that I know what you want to do. You want to drop off your kids, get them right there to, to kid check. Can you do me a favor? Can you guys just park? instead of stopping and then, then bring them in because what's happening, we're just backing way up. So if you guys could just park and not, not drop anybody off, you're like, well, you know, I want my, you know, I'm just waiting till the last second. I don't want to unleash my kids on them, on, on you guys. I'm doing a favor to you. I get it. I get it. Do me a favor though. If you guys could go ahead and, and uh, just park and then that's a small little thing. And then I'm going to ask you to do something on your way out. I want you to do the equivalent of hugging a parking lot attendant. I'm going to tell you, if you don't believe me, one of the hardest ministries, it used to be working in nursery and it's no longer working in nursery. <laughs> when you got everybody coming back at once, parking lot team, they need some love. So you show them some love on the way out and that's going to make a difference. But we have, man, I love our city. Thank God for Nampa. I, we, we were able to connect with them. They're actually changing the light there and giving us another 12 to 15 seconds. And so... Man, think a city official, man. That's what I'm talking about. And so anyway, I just appreciate you guys helping us. We have great growing pains. And that's a good thing because more and more people are getting changed by the gospel. And I love that. I love that. Well, for, for those of you that haven't been here for a while, maybe you're coming back from vacation or whatever the case, maybe you're new. Hopefully we'll have the chance to connect if you are new. We're in a series, our summer series. We've been going through the fruits of the spirit uh, and that's, it's really out of Galatians chapter five. But you know, before I jump into to what I'm gonna share today, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna do a little man on the street interview here. Um, Bernie's here in the front. Bernie, what's the first word that you think of when you think of God as he revealed himself in the Old Testament? Powerful, powerful. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, pretty, good, that's a pretty good word. Uh, I'm going to pick on you, John. What, what's the first word that you think when you think of God as he reveals himself in the Old Testament? He's uh, not messing around. He's not messing around. That's actually, I, I, I like that. You know, let me get over here. Well, I, I want to be, you know, Tracy, I'll pick on you. What, what, what's the first word you think of? Creator. Creator. I like that. Creator. That's, that, that's a great one. Tom, what would you say? Love. That's, that's the first. Donna, what comes to your mind when you think of God as he reveals himself in the Old Testament? Patience. Patience. I like that. I like that. Long suffering. No, that's, that's good. Ed, I'm going to pick on you so I can get somebody over here. What, what's the first word that comes to your mind? Just. 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 His justice. Listen, every single word that has been mentioned here is true. Literally, when, you, when, when we look at God revealing himself... In the Old Testament and what we're going to see in the New Testament, every one of these words that has been, has, has been used, listen, he's not messing around. He is a God of love. He is a God of justice. But there was one word that we did not say, but a word I think we should actually throw into the mix. But I, 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 I'm going to guess that it's not the first word that comes to our minds when it comes to describing God. 
And that word is gentle. Gentle. Now, we're in the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, it describes, it, it gives us a list of this fruit here. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse, verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And today, we're going to be looking at the spiritual fruit of gentleness in full disclosure here as I jump in. Okay, so like I've been here, uh, what was it, two weeks ago, I hit my 11-year mark as pastor here at Grace. And in 11 years, I have never preached a message on gentleness. In fact, I started thinking about this this week. I've never, I can, to the best of my knowledge, heard a message on gentleness. And it's been good because as I've, as I've been digging, as I've been digging, it's, I, I, I've had to, to, man, I want to find out because, you know, a lot of the, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, I mean, we can immediately go to, to passages that, that illustrate this, you know, these spiritual fruits. There, there are uh, all kinds of examples that immediately come to mind, but when it comes to gentleness, what is gentleness? And, and the Greek word that is, that is uh, uh, used to, used for gentleness, that is an interpreted gentleness, it actually is tied to humility, meekness, compassion, tenderness. It has the quality of not being over-impressed with one's self-importance. That's good. I like that, man. Now, as I was thinking about this, uh, and I was, you know, I was doing a word study. If you, uh, I have this really cool uh, program that lets, lets me do these word studies. You can see all the words that are connected. This word is very tightly uh, connected with patience. Many times where you see this used in scripture, gentleness and patience will go together. And so if patience is enduring inconvenience with, without a response of selfish anger, then gentleness is enduring inconvenience without a response of selfish aggression. In fact, when Paul is describing what, what the Christian walk looks like, last week we hit a little bit of this in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 4, he just begins by saying this in verse 1. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And as I was preparing this week, the thought hit me. I have never in my entire life heard anybody describe me as gentle. Like it never, I was thinking about this. Like when I was a kid, my brother and I are wrestling, fighting and running through the house. I, I heard settle down, but I never heard our kids, are the most gentle kids that you will ever see. I mean, I got in trouble for punishment. You know, my, my parents, this has nothing to do with my message. My parents traveled in, in, in ministry. And so I remember one time we were at a, uh, we were at a church and we were providing the music. And after, after service, a deacon had to pull me by the ear into the sanctuary because I was fighting with a pastor's kid. My white pants had grass stains all over. It was embarrassing. Oh, by the way, it was, it was his daughter, and she beat me, which is more embarrassing. I mean, in fairness, she had me by 30 pounds, but still, let's be honest, you know. Nobody wants to admit to that. But like gentleness, like, like I've heard, man, you're loud. 
your boisterous. In fact, all the time, like our staff, like if I'm having meetings in, in one of our offices, they're like, man, Keith, you, we love, you're loud. And, and I, I just, my personality is just, oh, let's do this. I've never had anyone say, Keith, what I appreciate about you is your gentleness. You know, it's interesting that the, the historical context, the time period in which Paul is writing this letter to, uh, to the Galatians, really it's, it's not much different than today in terms of the word gentleness was, was really not a word that, it, it wasn't a trait that people aspired to. Especially when it came to, to Greek men, to, to Roman men. Real men were neither gentle nor humble. They were strong, powerful, and dominant. In fact, boasting, boasting was, was like an art form. Yeah, you ever, you ever watch like a UFC fight or a boxing match and they do the weigh-in before they do that and like the two guys are like nose to nose and they're just yelling, ah, posturing. Literally, that's, that, was, that was something to be proud of. If you had anything to boast about or even if you didn't, just polish your boasting as best you can. Don't be humble. That was, that was the, 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 the culture of, of Paul's day. And I, don't, I really think there's not much different today. Like, like this whole deal of gentleness, this is, this is countercultural. In fact, when we look at influencers today, it's usually not gentleness that mark them. It doesn't mark politicians. It doesn't mark the heroes, the sports figures, or, or people, you know, Instagram, inf- Instagram influencers or whatever. Honestly, let's just be honest, it, it really doesn't mark too many people within the church. And by, by the way, I, I put it out there. I've never been called gentle. Have you been described as gentle? But the Bible presents a very different ideal. One that was countercultural then, but I believe one that is countercultural now. And so we're setting the fruit of the Spirit. If, 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 if gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit... If the spirit who is producing this fruit in us, if he is God, which the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity, if, if, if this is what he's producing in us, then, then I think it makes sense for us to look at God himself to, to find this picture. And this is where I come back to what I shared. By the way, I, I just use the Old Testament because some people think there's a difference between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. They're one and the same. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In fact, when God, when when we see God presented in Psalm 23, how is he presented? As a a gentle shepherd, one who leads his people. In fact, Isaiah the prophet, he he uses this the same analogy in Isaiah 40, 11, when writing of God, the prophet writes, he will tend his flock, he will take care of his people like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead those that are with young. Psalm 103 presents a picture of of God. It reveals God as a gentle father showing compassion to his children. In fact, in in Deuteronomy chapter one, verse 31, before, before, as as Moses is, it's his final words and he's recapping the law and, and all of this sort of things, he describes God as, he compares God to a gentle father who picks up his tired son, timing's perfect, and carries him. Seriously, we honestly, 
that we just had a picture of this. Literally, that's, this is the picture that God gives us. And then if you read, you read scripture, let's just, let's look at the Old Testament. There is account after account after account that give us a picture of God's gentleness in action. Any of you ever heard uh, the name Hagar? Hagar? If you, if, you, if you haven't, if you haven't heard her name, here's the thing. She was a slave of Sarah. Sarah, the wife of Abraham. In Genesis chapter 15, Abraham's given this promise that you're gonna have a son and in him all the world will be blessed. And so you get to chapter 16, Sarah and Abraham begin to short circuit God's promise. And Sarah's like, yeah, I'm too old in essence. And so she gives Hagar to Abraham to have a baby. And by the way, Hagar probably wouldn't have had a say in the matter. Hagar gets pregnant. And what Sarah wanted, then she didn't want. She's like, whoa, whoa, And she gets jealous and she begins to abuse Hagar to the place that Hagar can't take anymore. And she runs into the wilderness. Literally, she, she has nothing. She's really probably facing death. And who shows up to her in the wilderness? It's not the false gods of Canaan. It's the God of Abraham himself. And the first person to call God by this interesting Hebrew name, El Roy, which means the God who sees me, is a little pregnant girl who feels like an outsider who is abused and she experienced God's gentleness in the middle of a wilderness. How about 1 Kings 19, the prophet Elijah? He's, he's done some great things. In fact, there's some great things behind him. There's, you talk about taking a stand for God and God's showing up. He saw it, but then he gets a threat from, from Queen Jezebel and he's on the run. And, and if you read through 1 Kings chapter 19, it's almost an irrational fear that he has. But he's at a place, he's burnt out, he's running, he's, he is exhausted and God finds him. He sends an angel to this man who's exhausted, depressed, even suicidal. He sends, an, he sends an angel to cook for him. He gives him sleep. And then after this, he takes him to Mount Sinai and puts on this great display of his tremendous power in which he gives him this demonstration. He shows, you know, it's the, the earthquake, the wind, the fire. But when God speaks, how does he speak? It's a gentle whisper. Now, probably parents, you've had moments where you're like, I don't tell you why, my kids, if they do one more thing, like you, you've had those moments, right? Come on, moms and dads, we've all been there. Like, uh, those are not my kids. Or you look at your spouse and say, your kids, you know what I'm saying? Your kids have nothing on God's kids. You read through the Old Testament, look at the children of Israel. Time after time after time after time after time. Man, there is, there is just so much, so much rebellion. There, there's failure after failure. And while God, uh, God is a God of justice, he is just, we, we see this. We also see his tenderness, his gentleness, even in these times. Jesus shows up on the scene. I love how John 1 introduces Jesus. He is, it's, it's, it's not just that he is bringing us the word of God. He is the word. He is God in flesh. We now can see how God really react, reacts in, in real time. Jesus shows up and 
It's as we look at the life of Jesus that, that we begin to, to see who he is. We begin to see this gentleness on full display. We, we begin to see this gentleness that is still today countercultural. This is, this is something probably even as I share, there's gonna be like this, this mix of emotion. You're gonna be drawn to this, but, you, but there are gonna be times that, that you're gonna be almost, I don't know if the word is repelled by this, but it's, it's, they're gonna feel this tension because it, again, th- this is, one of those, those fruits that we just don't think about. It's interesting because as we get to, to Matthew chapter 11, the, the, great, the great pastor and theologian Charles Spurgeon, he said that this is the only place, what I'm getting ready to read here in Matthew chapter 11, it's the only place in the 89 chapters that make up the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which recount the, the life of Christ. It's the only place in which, in which God through Christ, describes his heart. And it's in, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, when we, when, when we read this inc- these incredible words, come to me, Jesus says, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. There you have it. You don't know who I am? Spurgeon says, this is his description. He says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. When, when we talk about heart, it's not just like the seat of the emotions. It's not just the physical heart. L- literally, the, 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 the Jews describe this. This is the, an, this is the animating core of who we are. This is, this is where our, even our motivations come from. At, at, at the heart of who I am, I'm gentle I am lowly in heart. Come to me and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And what we have here is Jesus pulling back the curtain. We get to look into the core of who he is. He doesn't say I'm demanding in heart or I'm dignified in heart or I'm exalted in heart, joyful in heart. No, he says I am gentle and lowly in heart. And so I wanna bring out the magnifying glass if I can. And I want us to look at this carefully because listen, there are those of us today who, who need to, to hear this so we, we can understand and, and be able to, to recognize the spiritual fruit of, of gentleness that the Holy Spirit is, is developing within us. It's, it's important for us to recognize this or we'll, we'll, we'll miss it. We, we will fail to appreciate what he's calling us to. But, I, but I, I actually, as I've been setting it, I went a different direction, I think, maybe even as, as I teach. I think that there are people here today that have missed out on the gentleness of God because your perception of God, gentleness has nothing to do with that. And as a result, because you, you fear, and, and I'm not talking the healthy fear and reverence, I'm talking about a fear like, like God is out to destroy you, you have not come, you, you've missed the invitation. Man, my prayer is for you, for you that you would hear and that you would get a picture of a God who is gentle, And what we see in in just these short three verses and and what is actually undergirded with the rest of Scripture, with the counsel of Scripture, is this gentleness that that has some characteristics. And one of the characteristics of this gentleness is is a gracious invitation. Come, Come to me. 
Now listen, what I know, I've, I've been a pastor long enough to know that, that a lot of times we miss out on this, you know, what I'm talking about, this whole idea of gentleness, that we miss out on this perception of God. In fact, what I'm convinced of is that the reason many of us are unable to move forward, that many of us, we're, we're, we're hanging around the, the edge here that, that we're afraid to commit, it comes down to a lack of faith. And it's not lack of faith in, in the fact that, that Christ died for you. It's a lack of faith in the fact that God is for you. That, that we serve a God who says, come to me. And here's what I know. If we do not trust that we can approach God, we won't. I've used this illustration before, but, but I think it bears repeating. In fact, I'm gonna keep on repeating this to make sure that I blow up these myths that I believe we can sometimes have about God. Some of you, I believe probably because of relation, uh, because of relationships or because of, of, of what you've experienced in the past, when you think about God, you don't think about what I've just read here. You think about the angry father. If I can illustrate this, the God with a baseball bat that is ready to, to abuse you. If you, if you mess up, you're, you're, just, you're like the, 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 the dog that's been kicked one too many times. You flinch. That's not God. It's not God. I don't care if, that, if that's what your dad was like. That's not what God is like. I don't care if that's what your mom was like or, or, or what you experienced growing up where, where, where love was withheld. That is not God. We do not serve an abusive God. We serve a just God. Now, it's not that God doesn't discipline us. He does. Hebrews chapter 12 is there, but he does not discipline us to break us. He disciplines us to shape us. And it's not, and it's not abusive, but we have this view of God as the baseball bat. Maybe some of you, you have God, this picture of God. He's got, the, he's got the law and he is just waiting for you to screw up so he can point it out. Maybe it's the God of the, the wagging finger, shame, shame. You guys have, listen, if you're here and you have failed, you, you know what shame is like. And, and you have this feeling that, that the only thing you're gonna come, that you're only gonna find when you come is, is just more shame. Like, why would I go? I, I get plenty of that within my own house. I get plenty of that on the job. Why in the world would I go? And so, so you show up and you wanna be around God because you're hoping somehow, some way, you're gonna make it to heaven, but, but you're afraid to truly approach him. No, God is a gentle God. Maybe for you, it's, this, it's the distant God who has his back to you. He, he got this thing in motion, but he's forgot all about you. And it's, it's the God who is distant. Guys, all of, all of those that I've mentioned, if that's your, your perception of God, you've missed it. Please, we have to have a right understanding of God. He is holy. He is powerful. He is loving. He is just. But we have a God who is gentle, who through his son, through Jesus Christ, gave us a po- the posture of the, the posture of God. You know, what, you, know what, you know what the posture of the Father is? The open arms. Come to me. You're weak. You're heavy laden. I'll give you rest for your weary souls. But it's not just that he's the God of the gracious gracious invitation. No, when you show up, what you find is this. You find compassionate consideration. You find compassionate consideration. Guys, is there anything more beautiful than somebody says, man, I get it. I get it. I get where you've been. 
I love 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verses, what is around verses 4 through 6, something like that, where, 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 where Paul is writing and he says, he says in, in, in essence, that one of the greatest things that we can do when we've been through trials is to share the compassion and the grace that we receive from God with somebody else that's going through, through a, a, a situation. There's a reason why some, some people, they, they just don't trust somebody that's never been there because you don't get it. But what, what I love about Hebrews, it presents, a, it presents our Savior Christ as a high priest, the one who represents us. We talked about that last week. He is our advocate. He is for us. But he's not one that cannot be touched with, with any of your frailties, with any of your infirmities. No, he was tempted in every way like we are. He just didn't sin. And you're like, well, I still can't trust him because he didn't sin. Are you kidding me? We actually should trust him because he hasn't sinned. Here's why. He's felt the full weight of temptation. We sin, we haven't felt the full weight. We turn, we, you know, the temptation's there. He's felt the full weight. He gets where you're at. And he still says, come. Compassionate consideration. But I would say that as we come, there's another aspect to this. There is willful accommodation. He doesn't give us always what we want. He always gives us what we need. I will give you rest for your weary soul. There are times I want rest for my weary body. Let's be honest. Like, hey, dude, bring this to an end. I want healing. I want this. And you know, I'm convinced that many times when we're, we're seeking rest for our weary body at the heart of this church, then the, the biggest need is that we need rest for our weary souls. This willful accommodation. Man, what I love about Christ is we, as we study his life through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, Luke, and John, is he, he shows us this picture. If, if it reveals anything about God, it's a God who's willing to be inconvenienced. You ever, you ever hold off on praying because you're like, God has so much bigger things to worry about. I don't know if we bring this prayer. Are you kidding me? Like your one prayer is gonna be like, the world starts spinning. Oh, it's too much now. That's not God. No, Jesus, man, he gives us a picture. He's willing to be inconvenienced. He's asleep. He finally got a nap in the boat. Storm comes up. Wake up. Your kids ever wake you up in the middle of the night? I'm gonna tell you right now, I don't get up like Jesus got up, just be, I'm gonna be real honest. So like, you're mean in the middle of the night. I don't mean to be. But no, J Jesus gets up, he calms the storm. He, he gets away to a quiet place. He's, he, he needs to be with the Father. He's going to spend time. And what happens, it says a multitude, thousands follow him. And, it, and when he saw them, it wasn't like he got ticked. I'm like, oh my word, Stop it. And he just heads for the hills. No, he says that his heart was moved with compassion and he turned and came back down to them. This is the same God who, who finally finds, a, finds a, a house to get away in. He's able to spend some time and, and, and the word gets out that he's there and a, a Gentile woman comes to him. She has a demon-possessed daughter and she's begging him to move. And, and he's like, why should, I, why should I do this for you? But I'm, I'm here for the, for the Jews first, the Gentiles. And, and he's... He's drawing her faith out and, and, she's, and she, she responds in such a, a, a beautiful way. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't turn her away because she came to him. No, he rewards her faith. So many times as Jesus is going somewhere else, he's interrupted. It might be, it might be Bartimaeus who yelled, heal me. 
It might be the woman with the issue of blood who touched the, just the hem of, of, of his, his garment. He was on his way to heal it, a, the, the, the child of a powerful person. And yet he paused and he stopped for this lady. He stopped for Zacchaeus. I, I love the picture in John chapter four. It says that Jesus had to go through Samaria and along the way, he stopped at a well to meet with a Samaritan woman. Can I tell you right now, he did not have to go in terms of, of like, like it's the only way because Jews didn't take the journey. He had to go because he had a journey. He, he allowed himself to be inconvenienced to go out of his way. Listen to me, what we see here is willful accommodation. Guys, there's no greater picture of this than Jesus hanging on a cross. He did this for you and for me, a picture of gentleness. This is willful accommodation. Guys, if you have this picture of a God who is, who is like, yeah, that's what I'm making. I wanna make sure you have the right motivation here before you come to me. I'm, I'm gonna hold you off a distance. I wanna make sure, I just wanna make sure you've missed who God truly is. He's a God who says, come, this gracious invitation. He's a God of compassion, a God of willful accommodation, but I'll end things with this. He's a God who gives us a gentleness that is not weakness, but this gentleness is, is marked, it's, it's, it's marked by a controlled strength. You see, a lot of times we think that gentleness, tenderness, compassion, all of those things are weakness. They're not. Not at all. In fact, I would say this, it takes strength to be gentle. It's interesting because if you, if you look early, this, this whole gentleness thing, it's, it's not a picture of this mushy, frothy, ah, uh, you just do whatever you, no, it's not that. Because in fact, in, in the verses, if you have your Bibles open still to Matthew chapter 11, if you go up to verse 20, he begins to denounce the cities where he'd done a lot of his mighty works and they didn't repent. I mean, he calls out some stuff. So it's not like, it's not like, you know, it's this, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to offend somebody. I mean, let's be honest. Jesus did put a whip together and he kicked over some tables and drove some guys out of the temple, right? But, but there's a difference in, in the way God, God approaches those who shake their fists at him and God approaches those who, who come to him. Big difference. It's almost like, think, think of your dad. If you had a dad that, and he was a good dad, but he was a Navy SEAL, he can kick him by else's tail. But when you come to him, he's a good dad. You see, this, this gentleness that, that, that we have here is, is a beautiful thing. It's a, it's a controlled strength. In fact, he says, he says, I want you to take my yoke upon you. His, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. There's still a yoke and a burden. And if you, if you know what a yoke is, in fact, fill up the picture, guys. You know, if, if, if you have a, you know, if you, if you know what a yoke is, this is that heavy cross bar that's, that's laid on the oxen, you know. They're, they're plowing the field, making sure that they're, they're you know, it's forcing them to, to go this direction. But for my understanding, you know, I haven't done this before. I don't have a couple oxen at home or anything. Um, I have a dog. But anyway, uh, you don't put a young bull with another young bull. You put a young bull with an older bull, a bull that's been there. A bull that's, that's plowed. You, you put a young bull with an old bull and as they work, walk, and pull the plow together, the young bull, because he's yoked with the old, he's learning from who he's yoked with. 
Many times we've missed out on learning because we don't understand that he said, come, and it's not just come and I'm gonna give you sympathy. He said, come, and I want you to walk with me. The reason why many of us haven't come though is we don't wanna walk with someone we're scared of. We don't wanna walk with, 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 with someone that if we have this wrong perception of God, we're not gonna yoke ourselves with him. We're missing out on the fruit of the spirit being developed just because we don't wanna walk with the spirit. We don't live with the spirit. Keep step because we're nervous about this. But no, we, we walk. And what, it's kind of this weird thing. It's almost like Jesus is using irony or humor here. He's like, I want you to take this yoke upon me. But what you're gonna find is when you take this yoke upon me, it's, it's kind of like it's a non-yoke. There's a yoke there. You gotta walk with me. But as, as you, what you're gonna find out is that I'm gonna bear the weight. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. It's almost gonna be like there's, there's helium on, helium balloons holding up your side. You walk with me. You walk with me for those who come to him. We find him to be a God of strength, a God of power, a God who is compassionate, a God who is gentle and lowly of heart. And I've got to bring this to a close. What's this look like for us? Well, I got two applications here, two challenges here. The first is for those whom like me, you just don't really think of gentleness. When you think of the fruit of the spirit, you immediately just quote the first three. Love, joy, peace. You don't even want to get to the patience part. Me either. Gentleness. What, what does this look like in action? The apostle Paul gives us some pictures. Galatians 5.1, for instance, when, it, when, when we've had a person around us that fails, you, you know, like what, what has gone on with the church? Like if somebody fails, you cut them off and we're done with you. That's not... That's not the way it should be. In fact, the fruit of the gentleness is actually exercised in how we restore those who have fallen. I like what Paul says shortly after he's introduced the fruit of the Spirit. He says in Galatians 6.1, if anyone around you is caught in transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And I'm like, what if that was the church? I, what if instead of having to go to a bar to commiserate, we could actually go to a place where we're gonna be loved we're gonna be restored where literally the gentleness of Christ is, is flowing through his people. This is what it looks like in, in action. And, and Paul goes on, he's writing to a pastor, a guy that he's, a guy that he's mentoring, Titus, and, and he says, you know, I want you to mind your, your, your congregation, be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. Hello, that, that really is gonna change our lives. Because we don't understand in this very partisan world that we live in, we dehumanize people that we disagree with. I didn't get any amens on this in the first service either. <laughs> and what happens is, is we, we dehumanize and we actually begin to despise people that are made in the image of God who, though we totally disagree and we can oppose them and we should oppose evil. He says, well, remember to treat everyone. Hmm. 
changes what we post on Facebook. Anyway, uh, Peter even says that gentleness matters when interacting with those who aren't yet Christians, those of other faith. I, lo- I love 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect. Honestly, as, as I've studied this this week, I, I think what's at the heart of this, of, of, of allowing this, this fruit to be cultivated, this fruit to be exercised, literally, it's one thing to to. to recognize it, it's another thing to exercise it. And I believe the only way this is possible, it comes from a place of gratitude. Honestly, without gratitude, we will, I think it's impossible to exercise this spiritual fruit. But it's when, it's when you and I remember that though we are sinful, flawed, and fallen, God forgave us. When we remember that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, all of a sudden we have a different place. If, if you believe that you deserve what, the, the blessings that you have, it's gonna probably be impossible for you to show this fruit of gentleness. But Listen, as I gratefully acknowledge God's grace and kindness to me, I can actually extend this gentleness to people who need it to the flawed and the fallen like me. You see, this this is the way this can be exercised, but I would say this. For those of you that have been running, that are weary, that are tired, and for whatever reason, you don't feel like you can come to the Father Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. He says, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands today, but I want you to ask yourself this question. Do I need rest? I think all of Christian life can kind of be boiled up into two basic steps. Step number one, go to Jesus. Step number two, Refer to step number one. <laughs> Come to Jesus. He is gentle. He is kind. Go to Jesus. If you knew his heart, you would. Father, thank you so much for revealing in your scripture who you are. We don't have to guess. We see on the pages of scripture and descriptions of who you are. We see examples of of who you are in action and we praise you for your holiness, for your power, for your love, for your grace, your long suffering, and yes, even for your gentleness. And Lord, there are those perhaps here today that have been running from you or Father, because of where they find themselves there, they, they just haven't come to you. I'm praying they would come to Jesus today. That they would, as Peter called us to in 1 Peter 5, 7, they would cast their cares upon you and they would find the truth that you care for them. But Lord, I pray for those of your children within whom your spirit is moving and active and producing fruit. God, may we not only recognize the fruit from within, but God, I'm praying that the fruit would be exercised. Dear God, that we would be those conduits of gentleness, even in these crazy days. And so God, may we be people of conviction, but may we be people of gentleness. And Lord, for watching and continue to do in through your people, we'll thank you for this. And I pray this in Jesus' strong name. And all God's people said, Amen. amen. Well, thanks so much for being here. You are dismissed. We'll see you next week.